0: today and welcome to worship. We hope you've had a great time already connecting with God, perhaps with others. And uh, let's now look into his word and ask him to teach us. I mentioned to you last week that God is looking for fat disciples. Yes, it's an acronym that stands for faithful, available, and teachable. And today I want to talk to you about that Second trait in the acronym, available. God is looking for men and women. He's looking for young people, for disciples who are available to him. Now, let me tell you, friend, if you ever have to choose between ability and availability, availability is more important to God. You see, God can provide the ability. The question is, Are you, uh, am I, are we available to God? The person I believe that was perhaps used by God more in the 19th century than any other person was a layman, not an ordained clergy person, a layman named D.L. Moody, Dwight Lyman Moody. And Moody was in Dublin, he was still a rather young man And he was in Dublin, Ireland, and a man by the name of Henry Varley said some words that God used to change D.L. Moody's life. Varley said, the world is yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. If God can find a man or a woman fully consecrated, Varley said, the world is yet to see what God will do. And D.L. Moody heard those words, and God used them in a profound way. Now, let me tell you the backstory on that. You see, D.L. Moody is a perfect example of what we're talking about today with availability. He had a lot more availability than ability. And yet he was used by God, as I said, perhaps more powerfully for an impact for the kingdom in the 19th century than any other person. Whitfield, or Whitfield, Moody was born not far from here in Northfield, Massachusetts in 1837. Very poor family. Moody's father was a Mason. Uh, He passed away at the age the young age of 41 years old. And he left the family, the wife, the brothers, the sisters. He left them in terrible poverty. In fact, they were so poor, the creditors came and took everything the family had, including the firewood. All they had left literally were the clothes on their back. The family was so poor, true story, that when they would walk to church there in Northfield, Their mom would have them take off their shoes and and socks, carry them with them until they came in sight of the church building, and then they would put them back on and walk the rest of the way to to church. And out of this very poor poor family background, D.L. Moody parlayed that difficulty into success. He became a successful business person, one of the top Shoe salesman in the whole Northeast. In fact, he was led to the Lord in the back of a shoe store by a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. Now, let me just take one little side road here for a moment. You know, sometimes in life we think that what we do doesn't matter, nobody notices it, it doesn't have a lot of notoriety. But I want to tell you, God sees everything, and you have to understand that with the enormous impact God brought about through D.L. Moody's life, he shared the gospel with over 100 million people in his lifetime. Can you imagine the reward of that Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, who in the back of a shoe store helped lead D.L. Moody to Jesus Christ? It is going to be enormous. Well, after he was saved, after he was converted, Moody immediately became interested in doing something with his life, doing something for God. He wanted to join the church, but he was so illiterate that he literally flunked the membership exam. Now, folks, listen for a moment. I I, I don't know if you're aware of how difficult it would be to flunk a membership exam in the typical church of that time. But he was so illiterate in the Bible, the things of God, had such difficulty stringing words together, he literally flunked the membership exam. He came back the next year, took it again, flunked it again. But they saw that he had such a positive attitude and spirit They eventually allowed him to become a member anyway of the church, although they noted that he's still very illiterate in the things of God. D.L. Moody surprised everyone when at the age of 30, as an up-and-coming businessman, he declared that God was calling him to kind of work for God full-time as a layman. People were shocked. Some tried to discourage him, told him he was making a huge mistake. And the first time he got up to speak in his local church, when it was over, one of the deacons got up and walked over to him and said, I think you could best serve God by remaining silent the rest of your life. That's how poor he was, apparently, as a speaker. He just butchered the language. Another one came up to him after he first Gave a talk and said, Mr. Moody, you offended me with your poor grammar. D.L. Moody looked back and said, I realize my grammar is very poor. I didn't get to go to school much. He said, you seem to have good grammar, don't you? The man said, yes. D.L. Moody looked at him and said, what are you doing for God? Message complete. And so it was years later in Dublin, Ireland, when he heard Henry Varley share those words, the world is yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who has fully consecrated him. And let me share with you how Moody responded to that. He said, well, he said a man. He did not say a great man, a learned man, a smart man. He simply said a man. I'm I'm a man. And it lies within me, whether I will or will not make this full consecration to God. And he said, by God's grace, I consecrate myself to be that man. Now, I share this story of Moody because he's a glowing example of someone who was not brimming with ability, but he was brilliant because of his availability to God. And I want us to look together at a story today in God's word from the book of Acts chapter three, which I think is another fabulous example of some people who are used by God largely because of their availability, not because so much of their ability. And I think there's so many lessons in this. In fact, this is a virtual clinic in how to be useful to God. So if you're here today, if you're listening right now, and you go, I want my life to be useful, then buckle your seatbelt. There's so much we can learn here together. The first thing we learn from this story is that you're most useful to God when you're already engaged in some good things. Now, what were Peter and John doing in our story today that was right? Well, let's look together at verse one. Acts chapter three. Verse 1, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. So they're going to a prayer meeting. It's three o'clock, and they're on their way to pray. They're engaged in a very good thing. Now, please listen carefully. I run into people all the time as a pastor who go, Pastor, I want God to use me. I want God to take my life and do something really special. And I want to tell you, I love to hear that. If that's your heart today, I've got a question for you. What good things are you already engaged in? Is there good you know you could be doing, but perhaps you've neglected it so far? My advice, do what you know to do. God knows where you are. He sees the deep desire of your heart to please him. And as you're doing good things, he is going to bring along the right people at the right time for the right reasons and slot you right into the right ministry. Have you ever noticed that some people just never seem to be where the action is? Some people never seem to be used much by God, and yet there are other people, another group of people, if you will, that God seems to bless and keep on blessing, and they keep on being useful for Him time after time after time. Please hear me today. God blesses people who are already doing the right things day in and day out, they are consistent. I did not say they're doing sensational things. I did not say they are doing upfront things or things that are well known, but they're doing the things that they know to do. And I wanna tell you, as you serve God faithfully, day in and day out, God sees that faithful servant that service you do. And he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use you. Here's a person who wants to be pleasing and useful to me. So Peter and John had that kind of heart. They were already doing some good things. But secondly, I want you to see here next, as we just continue to follow in this story in Acts 3, you're most useful to God when you're willing to see some interruptions. Listen now some interruptions as opportunities. God uses people who are willing to, in the midst of their busy schedule, sometimes to be interrupted with divine appointments. Let's read on in verse two. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, do you get the picture here? Peter and John are about to enter the gate, and this poor beggar begins to cry out to them. In other words, (laughs) they're being interrupted from what they planned to do. Now, that must have been hard for a person like Peter. We know about him from scripture, that he was probably a sort of choleric personality, probably also a sanguine, choleric, sanguine personality. He seemed to be pretty driven. He seemed to be an A-type person. And it's probably hard for a person like that. I know it is for me to get interrupted from my plan, but hear me again. God uses people who are more concerned about God's agenda than they are their own agenda because they care more about people than they do just about ticking off things from their list. Do you ever meet any people who just don't seem to like other people? You remember Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown said, you know I love mankind, it's just people I can't stand. (laughs) Well, I'm here to tell you, God uses people who love people. People who are willing to put people above policy even, above programs, they put people above procedure. Why? Because they love and care about people. And sometimes maybe we just need to be reminded, brothers and sisters, that Jesus died for people. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that there are two things and they're not our programs and our procedures and our policies and our plans. Two things are gonna survive this earth, the word of God and people. God uses people who are willing at times to be interrupted. Oh, I love this quote. Wrote it down so I could share it with you. William Ward Said interruptions can be viewed as sources of irritation or opportunities for service, as moments lost or experience gained, as time wasted or horizons widened. They can annoy us or enrich us, get under our skin or give us a shot in the arm, monopolize our minutes or spice our schedules, depending on our attitude. Toward them. And brothers and sisters, this very day, God may have, right in the midst of your carefully laid plans, God may have some divine interruptions. He did for Peter and John, and they were sensitive enough to allow God to interrupt them and to notice one of those God moments in their day. But third, I would say to you that you are most useful to God when you are alert, hear me now, when you're alert to real needs. This is a wonderful part of the story to me. They're not only willing to be interrupted, but you see, they can spot a need and begin to minister to that need. Look with me at verse four, the first part of it here. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Imagine all the things going on around them that day and all the things that as Peter and John were going to the temple to pray, all the things they could have said or thought or done. And they see this guy saying, look, I need help here. He's begging for money. Can't you see John look at Peter? And they both look at this guy and say, you know, we'd love to help you, buddy, but I gotta tell you right now, We're going to the church. We're going to be late. You ever meet any people who are so into keeping the ritual of their routine that they're willing to allow real needs to go by the wayside? They're truly the kind of people who often are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Do you know those kind of people? Do you have any in your life? Do they make you a little perturbed at times? (laughs) Religious, but not really alert to the God moments in life. Any prayer, brothers and sisters, that doesn't include involvement in action can just be a mere cop-out. And if your prayers and mine don't have heads, hands and legs to them and eyes to them and ears to them, if it doesn't involve some process that gets us involved, it may not be a legitimate prayer. What if Peter and John had said, hey, I know you got a need. God bless you. God bless you. You know, man, be warmed and filled. We're going to go pray for you right now. We'll remember you. Don't sweat it. They could have said that. Or they could have said, look, why is it every time we come to church we have to do all the work around here? I mean, look at all these other people. Why are you calling on us? Aren't there other people who can get involved in helping? How about George and Susan and Bill over there? Can't they pitch in and help? Why does it have to be us? And maybe you felt that way. I suppose Pete and John could have said, hey, let everybody else do it. After all, it's a big old church. Look at all these people around here. It doesn't have to be me. Surely God doesn't expect something from me. On Sunday, that's my day of rest. I don't come to contribute anything or to help the cause. I come to consume. And I tell you, there are millions of Christians with that mentality. They are consumers of religious services and goods, not contributors to the kingdom of God. And the sad truth, my friend, is that most of us are educated far beyond our obedience our obedience to what God really wants us to do. Hey, let me just ask you a question today, not to be too personal, but if everybody who came to this church today, whatever location you're at, if everyone who came to Grace Fellowship basically did what you did today, who had the level of service and alertness and commitment and mentality that you have, what would the church be? For some of you, if everybody was about like you, it would be a powerhouse of a church shake in this community for Christ. But I fear for far too many, if everybody were just like you in terms of what they contribute, in terms of service and ministry and help to people, I'm concerned that the church would be listless, lifeless, and ultimately unuseful to God. Peter and John were willing to be interrupted and they were alert to this man's real need. They knew that the kingdom of God is ultimately about people. And so they wanted their lives to matter and make a difference. Is that you? Are you useful and pleasing to God? I think fourth today, we're most useful to God when we have a generous spirit about us, a generous spirit. You see, givers are motivators. Givers inspire hope in others, but because whenever they come into the crowd, they always come, they always have something they can pass on. They'd rather be conduits than clogs. I read now from verse four again. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Can I tell you something I've noticed about people, all different kinds of people, from all different walks of life? People want to be around someone who is not focused on herself or himself all the time. People want to be around people who are givers, who help multiply them, who help add something to their life. Hey, can I tell you something? Your life will take on a whole new charisma if you'll just change your focus and begin thinking about others more than about yourself. Is that you? Does that describe you? Be more concerned about bringing value to someone else's life than just feeling good about yourself. Now, here's what that will look like. I just want to tell you what that will look like. When you walk into a room, wherever you are, be thinking this, what can I do to encourage and help someone here? What can I do to to add some value, some kind of blessing, some kind of encouragement to somebody's life? How can I put other people first instead of myself? And occasionally, you know, you meet people you just don't like to be around. Have you ever wondered why that is? It's probably because they drain you. And there are other people, have you ever noticed that, oh my goodness, it's, so different, you love to be around them. You'll take any opportunity you can to be around them. What's the difference? It's very simple, actually. One person is a diminisher, the other is a multiplier. One person drains, the other person blesses and adds value. Be a value adder. Have a generous spirit. That's the kind of people God uses. Oh, I tell you, as I think back through the years of my life, I could just name you one person after another, after another, after another, that God has used to bless me richly in my life. And some are men and some are women. Some were very old. Some were rather young in age. Some were pretty well off who blessed my life. Others were almost living in poverty. Some were well-educated, some hardly got through high school, but can I tell you, in spite of all their differences, what they all had in common, the people that God has used in my life to help set the trajectory of my life in a different place, to help bless me and lift me and multiply me, have all been people who were generous people, generous in spirit, They wanted to bless others first rather than be blessed. Is that you? You see, in this series in August, as we talk about how to be useful and pleasing to God, it all comes down to some really practical things. Sometimes it comes down as to something as simple as to what attitude you have as you walk into a room. That's how practical God's kingdom work gets, folks. And it's like night and day. So I challenge you today, be one of those people who multiplies, don't be one of those who drains. But we need to move on. Fifth, you and I are most useful to God when you do what you can, listen now, do what you can, limited as it may be, rather than lament what you cannot do. I read on here, Acts chapter three and verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. I'll say it again. The people, the men and women that God uses are those who are always looking, listen, to say, not Not what are my limitations here, but what can I do that might make some difference in this situation? They find some way to care, some way to share, some way to say a kind word, some way to write a note, some way to smile, some way to make a positive difference, some way to share an encouraging Bible verse, some way to bless somebody else. I like the way the Poet Ella Wilcox put this I love this little poem. She said there are two kinds of people on earth today, just two kinds of people. No more, I say, not the good and the bad fortis well understood that the good are half bad and the bad half good. No, no, no. The two kinds of people on earth I mean are the people who lift and the people who lean. So are you a lifter or a leaner? Are you pulling resources out of people or are you pouring resources and life and blessing into other people? It's all a part of what we talked about in that last series some weeks ago about helping people to flourish. It's not just flourishing ourselves, but being called into this life that helps other people flourish as well. God is looking for people, folks, who are faithful, available, and teachable. Are you available to God to add value to someone else's life? What an example Peter and John are here in today's story. I read on here in verse seven. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Finally today, you are most useful to God when you care more about his glory than your own praise. God is looking for people who really want him to get the glory and praise rather than ourselves. And why is that? It's because God deserves all of the glory and praise and credit. Look at what happened next here in verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? Wow. It's only natural though, right? For a person who's been helped to want to cling to the one who helped him or her. God used Peter and John because they cared more about God's glory than their own praise. The question that comes to you and me, is that true of us? Remember that man, D.L. Moody, that I started with telling you his story? Some years later, D.L. Moody was in New York City and a very wealthy man, by the way, Moody, by this time, had started three schools. That was a part of, he started two publishing houses, three schools. His life had an enormous impact. And this man gave him a marvelous financial gift for one of his schools. D.L. Moody shook his hand, and as he was getting on the train, he said, sir, if you ever come to Chicago, Chicago was where Moody lived, and was his main center of ministry activity. Sir, if you ever come to Chicago, please let me know so I can return the kindness to you. And that man looked at D.L. Moody and said, don't wait, don't wait for me to come to Chicago. When you get back, return the kindness to the first person you meet, Mr. Moody. Pass it on. Now, can I just speak to your heart for one moment here in these closing moments we have together? If you are born again of God's Spirit today, you're in God's family. The Holy Spirit is living in you. Your sins are forgiven. You're empowered by the Spirit. You're on your way to heaven. Hallelujah. Woo, that's good stuff. Now, think about this. Think about this. God, if that's you, if that describes you, that means God has given so freely to you. My question today is how are you doing passing that on? Are you, let's say that God wanted to just use you to bless somebody this week. Are you available for that? Maybe he wants you to make a phone call to encourage somebody. Perhaps he would have you write a note to have a, a crucial conversation with someone. Maybe, I don't know what it would be, but maybe your availability would be, God would want you to just offer to a young couple who just need a night out and they can't afford a babysitter. Maybe, maybe you could help them in that way. Or maybe you could serve this week through Grace in Action with one of our many partners around the Capital District. I don't know what that availability would look like for you, but I want you to think right now of how God wants you to be his hands and his feet this week and make the choice to be available. Because availability is far more important than ability. Father, thank you for this powerful story from Acts, how you used Peter and John in a real-life situation. And I'm so grateful for the life testimony of people like D.L. Moody, a person without a lot of ability, really, but wow, was he available. So as I look at my own life, as I think about my brothers and sisters here at Grace, whatever our level of ability, it pales in comparison to the question, are we available? So I want to be available this week. I want to be available at times to be interrupted. If it is a God moment, I want to be alert to the needs around me, Lord, and help Myself, help my brothers and sisters to be the same. Help us to do what we can do and not lament what we can't do. Help us to be multipliers and not diminishers. Help us to have a generous spirit this week and ask constantly, Lord, how could you use me here to bless somebody else? That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.